Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. Welcome, everybody. You are listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm Al Melchior. I'm your host for this entire hour. Thanks for uh, tuning in and joining me and joining me a little bit later as has become a little bit of a tradition here on Wednesdays. We've been doing this for about a month now. Going to have Drew Dinkmeyer from DailyRoto.com. We've had uh, Drew and also uh, Mike Leone from Daily Roto uh, on the show before. So it's, it's Drew's turn to step up to the plate uh, and uh, help me break down the slate tonight and uh, some uh, interesting matchups. Uh, some good pitchers, some not-so-good pitchers to think about. Uh, so Drew's going to help me to break that all down. And we were almost about to have a first on this show today. Uh, I think the first for any in-season show, going back to uh, when I started last year uh, here on Fantasy Sports Radio Network, uh, where you know, typically I do a segment uh, or more on stand-up performances from the night before or the day before. And try to give you a mix of hitters and pitchers. Sometimes it's a little pitching heavy. Occasionally it's a little hitter heavy. Was well, I was putting the notes together for this show, I thought I was going to be able to get through the entire segment without talking about a single pitcher. Uh, and, and so far this year, it seems like I've slanted a little bit towards covering the pitchers because uh, overall uh, offense is down a little. Maybe that's why. I don't know. Uh, in any event, a very hitter heavy show uh, in store for you today, uh, but there, there will, uh, time permitting, should be at least a couple of starting pitchers to get to, but a whole lot of hitting performances and performers that deserve a closer look, so I'll be getting to those. Uh, the big story for today was going to be, and I suppose still is, the debut for the season of Alex Reyes coming back from Tommy John's surgery. Um and uh, fortunately, it doesn't look like it's it's going to uh, necessarily be a uh, a good story today, as good as uh, I had hoped. Now, the the performance by Reyes was uh, was perfectly good. He went uh, four scoreless innings, just two strikeouts, but you wouldn't uh, really have a problem with that. But it is the fact that he only pitched four innings, and um, the reason that he was pulled, because obviously not because of performance, but um, started to see a dip in his velocity and in his control. So uh, not clear if there's an actual injury there or just being careful with somebody who, again, is coming back uh, from Tommy John's surgery. But uh, I have not been able to find anything definitive yet uh, about uh, this Alex Reyes situation. But certainly it's concerning, uh, given the dip in velocity, and some of the speculation that's out there that, um, you know, maybe he was hurt. So um, I'll certainly uh, keep you updated as best as I can 
on the uh, Alex Reyes situation. And uh, tomorrow, hopefully, uh, things will be better for uh, Shane Bieber because tomorrow is going to be his major league debut. Uh, looking forward to that. In some other news, uh, the four-man outfield rotation for the Reds, which has been a pretty constant topic of discussion for me on this show, uh, going back to spring training, I think, uh, it's over. The rotation experiment is over. Uh, it's going to be a three-man outfield. What's not really clear is whether the current three-man configuration is going to is going to last. But for the time being, Jesse Winker is out as a starter for the Reds. Uh, and uh, you're going to have uh, Shabler Hamilton and Duval regularly in the uh, Reds outfield, according to the Cincinnati Inquirer. Now, the explanation that I read was that uh, Jim Riggleman felt that Shebler and Duvall weren't getting adequate opportunities to get on track offensively. It makes sense, actually. So uh, basically, they're replacing one experiment with another and seeing if Shebler and Duvall hit better if they get more regular playing time. So the way that that sounds to me, and I'm reading into it a little bit, but the way that sounds to me is that if this experiment doesn't work and one or the both of them continue to struggle, then I think maybe you see Jesse Winker back, and maybe you see him back as an everyday outfielder. So, in uh, you know, in uh, certainly shallower formats, I, I think it's fine to drop Jesse Winker. But uh, if you are able to hang on to him, and especially in any sort of format that's, let's say, deeper than twelve teams in a mixed league, I would make it make the effort to to stash. Winker for a while because it's not there's not so much up, uh, upside that I think that he's got to be stashed everywhere but I think there's enough upside that particularly in a deepish league that you might regret it if uh, say Scott Shebler not, not to pick on him but just for example say Shebler uh, slumps even though he's playing every day then maybe you get Winker in there and he gets a chance to get on track because he's not really had that opportunity either so uh, that's the situation uh you know, I think that's that's far from settled. Uh, from ArizonaCentral.com, we have an AJ Pollock update. Uh, he had an MRI that showed that his uh, fracture uh, was not fully healed, and uh, so most likely he's not going to be back within the uh, four-week short end of the timetable. Was given he was given a four to eight-week uh, timetable, and it looks like. Uh, AJ Pollock is uh, not going to be able to make that. So, you know, of course, I try as much as I can to uh, to preach caution on this show. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think that, uh, you know, in this particular case, that that, that caution is going to be, uh, be rewarded as far as AJ Pollock is concerned. Uh, now, it's been a long road back for Madison Bumgarner, but apparently he is... Uh, on track to be back sometime next week. Uh, he's going to throw 70 to 75 pitches for San Jose tomorrow. That's Thursday, uh, according to NBC Sports Bay Area. And uh, if all goes well there, he could pitch for the Giants as soon as next Tuesday. So let's definitely keep an eye on that Thursday rehab start in the California League for Mass Bumgarner. And in other Giants rotation news, Jeff Samarja um, is going to get an MRI. Had to be lifted early from his start on uh, on Tuesday. 
uh, and he is most likely, regardless of the MRI results, um, likely to miss at least one start. Also, uh, a report from NBC Sports Bay Area. You Darvish update from ESPN Chicago. Uh, an MRI uh, uh, for Darvish revealed no structural damage. He's been diagnosed with right triceps inflammation, and he is expected to begin a throwing program later this week or possibly early next week. So we got to wait a little bit more uh, to see what sort of timetable we're going to have for, uh, for you, Darvish. Kenta Maeda also uh, got pulled early from a start on Tuesday due to a hip injury, and he is scheduled to have an MRI today. And uh, according to Dave Roberts, uh, he told the Orange County Register that Maeda is a potential DL situation. So not looking good there. And in possibly, maybe quite likely, related news, Dennis Santana is going to be called up by the Dodgers. And the source for this report is Dennis Santana. He had tweeted out on his own account that he's going to be called up by the Dodgers. He's having a terrific uh, breakout minor league season uh, has a 2.54 ERA was recently promoted from double A AA to triple A uh, between those two stops. Uh, not only the 2.54 ERA, but an 11.8 K nine ratio. So really good stuff for Dennis Santana. Now, given the timing of it, it looks more like a bullpen move uh, because you would think if he's going to be replacing Maeda, they would have waited a few days, but uh, you know, it's a fluid situation there. So maybe it's, it's one of these deals where, they're waiting to see if they need to use Santana in relief uh, before maybe sliding him into my aid to spot. I don't know. I'm speculating. I'll try to look for an update on him as well. Uh, but the news is Dennis Santana coming up uh, for or to the Dodgers. Good news uh, for Rysel Iglesias and the Reds and Rysel Iglesias owners. He has been activated uh, after a minimum stay on the 10-day disabled list with strained biceps and his no non-throwing arm. Pretty much was anticipated that this was going to be a short stay. So Iglesias back and presumably will go right back into the closers role for the Cincinnati Reds. Now, yesterday I gave you a very cryptic Daniel Murphy update uh, that basically said that he would be back soon, but soon was not defined. Uh, we've got it a little better defined now, thanks to a report from Masson. Uh, he has started a... Uh, a rehab assignment with double a Harrisburg. He played last night and uh, Daniel Murphy is going to play one more night. And when I read that, that Murphy was going to play one more night, I took it to mean that he's going to be in the lineup for Harrisburg tonight and not that he's actually going to perform the Phil Collins ballad uh, one more night. So we'll, we'll wait and see if I've interpreted that correctly. Uh, assuming he does play tonight, uh, Murphy will be reevaluated and hopefully we'll have more of a timetable after that. So that's one we're going to have to watch this evening uh, for Daniel Murphy. Mike Soraka, he's going to go on a rehab stint. He's going to make a start for the Rome Braves on Friday. And um, no other update there. So no other uh, timetable. And of course, that will probably partially uh, have to do with how Sirak uh, pitches and how well he responds uh, perhaps on Saturday after that start. So that update comes to us from 929 The Game. Report here on Stephen Matz from the New York Post. Uh, Matz had to leave his start early. He uh, injured his left middle finger 
when throwing a bat, and he is scheduled for an MRI. So MRI machines are probably going to be in short supply today. A lot of pitchers uh, getting MRIs today. Chris Scaleriano's already been placed on the DL by the Tigers. He has a left hamstring strain. I wrote a piece yesterday for Rotographs talking a little bit about Liriano, but mostly the piece was about Blaine Hardy, um, Matt Boyd, and Mike Fires. So you got three-fifths of the Tigers rotation doing something exceptionally well and all doing the same thing well, which is that they're uh, really limiting hard contact uh, and and particularly uh, uh, contact that could um, – uh, you know, be uh, a high value, you know, what uh, X-Stats calls uh, high value base hits, uh, getting a lot of uh, what X-Stats calls poorly hit balls that have very little value. All three of them. Uh, now, the results have been more mixed for Mike Fires. My, uh, Matt Boyd, I've talked a lot about for the past month on this show. I am completely bought in. And uh, he's been just throughout the season one of the best pitchers in the majors in limiting hard contact, however you want to measure that. Exit velocity, fly ball distance, uh, value uh, or uh, poor hit percentage. Uh, Boyd gets straight A's <laughs> on, on uh, all all those marks. Uh, but Blaine Hardy, that was a bit of a surprise to me. I mean, he is absolutely dominating some of those categories as well. The sample is smaller for Blaine Hardy, but uh, the thing is he is just filling in for Jordan Zimmerman. Zimmerman could be back soon, but with Liriano on the DL, um, maybe that affords Hardy more time to make a case to stay in the rotation. He's only made three three starts. The first of the three was a spot start. So again, limited sample. But I'm going to be watching Hardy's next start or two really, really closely because so far, so good for Blaine Hardy. Really looked good. Uh, not good news for Matt Shoemaker, according to the Orange County Register. He had forearm surgery uh, earlier this morning and no timetable yet for uh, for Shoemaker. And specifically, the uh, procedure he had was nerve decompression and pronator teres tendon repair. And I hope I pronounced all that correctly. Uh, Orlando Arcio was recalled by the Brewers. That's because last night Tyler Saladino had to leave the game early with uh, what looked to be a pretty serious ankle injury. So Saladino out, Arcia back. Uh, the Red Sox have signed Adam Lynn to a minor league deal. Josh Donaldson out of the lineup today for the Blue Jays, who are uh, currently playing the Red Sox. Uh, I did hear on the broadcast they said there was a slight chance that Donaldson would be available to pinch hit. That game's already in the top of the eighth inning, though. And just checking to see if he's come in. He hadn't uh, during the time I was watching earlier today. But no, uh, no Josh Donaldson. So it looks like he's likely to sit this one out um, against the Red Sox. Marcelo Zuna was scratched uh, for the Cardinals game uh, against the Brewers. That one where Alex Reyes had to leave early. Uh, he's got a jammed finger. And uh, let's uh, take a look ahead now. And again, we're just a few minutes away from talking to Drew Dinkmeyer about the slate for tonight's game. So it's time to start being a little forward-looking. So let's start with the weather forecast. And for the most part, no worries for your daily league lineups. A uh, little bit of a rain chance in Atlanta, but looks like delay is the worst-case scenario there, which is good uh, because I am starting Michael Conforto and Brandon Nemo in my daily league tonight against Julio Tehran because he's not been good at SunTrust Park. 
Uh, the two games you should be more worried about are Angels at Tigers and the Cubs at the Pirates. Uh, larger chance for precipitation in, in those games and a longer duration of a high precipitation chance. So that's uh, Shoei Otani and the aforementioned Mike Fires in, uh, in that one, uh, Angels Tigers and uh, Cubs Pirates. Hang with me for one second while I try to find that. That's Kyle Hendricks and Joe Musgrove. Uh, Pirates lineup is actually already out. Um, looks like pretty typical lineup there. They got Austin Meadows, the red-hot Austin Meadows. If that game happens, he's batting second and uh, playing center field for uh, your Pittsburgh Pirates. So uh, anyhow, I was hoping to get to a few more lineups than that, but uh, we are on the brink here of heading to break. And when we come back, uh, like I said, Drew Dinkmeyer is going to be here. And we're going to break down a pretty healthy looking uh, nighttime slate, even if we do have a couple of rain delays or rain outs. A uh, lot to talk about there. So uh, going to head to break and uh, stick around because on the other side of it, Drew's going to be here. We're going to talk some DFFs. I'll be right back. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melchior, and as promised, we've got Drew Dinkmeyer in the house to talk about DFS, to talk about tonight's slate, and we're going to get to Drew in just a moment. Uh, but in case you want a chance to win two tickets to a 2018 World Series game, you want to pay attention to this. Go to dailyroto.com DKMS. There you'll find a link to a free DFS baseball contest every day. The contests are sponsored by DKMS. We're looking for your help in the fight against blood cancer. For many patients, a bone marrow transplant is the best chance for survival. While 30% of patients can find a matching donor in their own families, 70%, nearly 14,000 each year, must rely on a benevolent stranger to step up and donate. So find out how you can help and play in free DFS contests with a shot at winning two tickets to a 2018 World Series game Go to dailyroto.com slash DKMS. Again, that's dailyroto.com slash DKMS. Drew Dinkmeyer, thank you again for joining us uh, this week. Looking forward to talking some DFS with you. Thanks for having me on. Uh, well, uh, you're, uh, my pleasure to have you on. And, of course, folks should uh, always uh, be checking out your work on uh, dailyroto.com and uh, finding you on Twitter. Uh, but uh, at least for next, uh, you know, 16 minutes or so, we're going to uh, break down some uh, matchups right here. Uh, 
Now, is it safe to say that it's uh, uh, a Scherzer night in, in most uh, leagues, uh, or uh, would you go a different way? It'll be really interesting to see how the market reacts to Scherzer because the, the spot is very similar to the last outing where he really disappointed against one of the weakest offense in, offenses in all of baseball in the Miami Marlins. He was facing an offense that is primarily very right-handed, and Scherzer has just been incredibly dominant against right-handed bats. Uh, since the start of 2017, he's posted a strikeout rate above 40% against right-handed bats, approaching 45%. And the Orioles have some of the same challenges that the Marlins do in terms of trying to get left-handed. Now, they've put out a lineup today that tries to get a little bit more left-handed with Chase Peterson at the top. Um, but it'll be interesting to see because we have a monstrous strikeout projection for Scherzer because even the guys that the Orioles do have from the left side, like Chris Davis, uh, Pedro Alvarez, those guys tend to strike out a bunch. Uh, we have Scherzer projected for over 10 strikeouts. So our math suggests that Scherzer is a tremendous play tonight. But he has an implied total that is 0.7 runs higher than James Paxton. Paxton is like $2,000 cheaper on either side, whichever side you're playing on, than Scherzer. And Paxton has a great matchup in his own right against the Rangers. So I think it'll be really interesting to see how the market treats these two. We think they're pretty close. Um, but I think ownership in, in the market is going to move in Paxton's direction because that salary relief really allows you to maybe mix in some bats from Coors Field tonight. All right. All right. Well, that, uh, yeah, that makes a whole lot of sense. Um, now, I noticed you didn't mention Shoei Otani. Uh, does that have something to do with the weather in Detroit tonight uh, or just, um, you know, the fact that he doesn't quite, uh, you know, make the, the, the cut as compared to Paxton and Scherzer? Yeah, it's more just he just he doesn't quite make the cut against those two. He's in a great spot as well. I mean, there is some rain in the forecast, which makes it kind of easier to just move away from. But, I mean, he's pitching in Detroit um, against a weak Tigers offense that is primarily right-handed. Uh, so it's a very good spot for Otani as well. We just have him a little bit behind those two. Uh, those three, the very clear-cut top three starting pitchers on the slate, and then a huge drop-off after those three. Okay. Uh, well, I want to stick with that game for a second. Uh, I wrote a piece yesterday, did a little bit of research on the Tigers rotation. I was really surprised to find, you know, based on the overall results that Mike Fires has been getting, he's been one of the best pitchers in the majors so far this season in terms of um, getting a lot of um, weak contact or what X stats calls poorly hit balls. I don't know where they came up with that label, but you know, it's, it's pretty self, self, self-explanatory. Uh, but uh, so on the surface, it would seem that, you know, weather aside, it might be a good night to uh, spend on some Angels hitters. Um, do you agree with that? And or you know, if not, is it because you think there might be something worth Mike Fires, or for some other reason, perhaps? If Fires has had a couple different uh, starts and stops in his career where he's like reinvigorated himself. Um, I know he did this a little bit last year with the Astros where he started throwing a two-seamer a little bit more and he had a lot of success, but he's not missing bats anymore. And while he does command the strike zone very well, in this day and age when you're striking out fewer than you know 15.5% of the batter's face, that's just relying a lot on your defense. And the Angels are a pretty good offense. They get a little bit underrated simply because they play in such a tough park. 
to hit in. So moving to Detroit, where the temperatures are in the mid-80s, is actually a big park shift in their favor. This is a much better hitting environment than they're used to. And then the bullpen behind Mike Byers is very poor. The Tigers have one of the weakest bullpens in all of MLB. So we think the Angels are very good plays tonight. We don't think that'll be particularly um, sneaky in any way. They're also very affordable, which fits the slate really, really well if you want to spend on high-end pitching. So we have the Angels as our second-best overall team to target on the slate behind the Rockies, and we think they will be very popular because they're very, very affordable. All right, so it sounds like a, a good call there. Um, now, again, there's a weather consideration in Pittsburgh, but pretty interesting matchup with uh, Kyle Hendricks and Joe Musgrove, and Musgrove, a great uh, Pirates debut the last time out. Uh, is it worth the risk uh, and, and maybe uh, you know get a bargain uh, starting Joe Musgrove and, like you said, maybe save your, your money for some hitters? I think you're certainly going to want to try to save some money, uh, especially if you're playing on DraftKings with that second starting pitcher spot. I'm not sure Musgrove would be my ultimate choice, but there were some things about Musgrove's first start. We, we liked him a lot in his first start. He was much cheaper than he was bare minimum at 4,000 there. He's up to 6,900 now on DraftKings. Um, but the thing that was intriguing about Musgrove the first start is he was throwing about two miles an hour harder than he did the last few years. He was in the 94, 95 range, which is a big jump for him. Um, the park is going to be a good one for his historically more like fly ball oriented tendencies. And he's historically also been better against left-handed bats than right-handed bats, which really helps in PNC park because it's such a tough park for right-handed power. Uh, the Cubs do strike out a bit. Um, it's just for us, they're, they're a good enough offense and they're swinging it pretty well right now that there's other salary relief options at starting pitcher we prefer. Um, but I think Musgrove is going to be low owned. I think that makes him interesting um, already in tournaments because he kind of fits the slate well as a cheap second starting pitcher. Um, but he's not really on our short list of the primary starting pitchers that we'd be tackling. Well, I'm going to guess that Julio Tehran's not on that list either. Uh, he's got the Mets and, and Jason Vargas, who's probably also not on that list. Uh, I was saying earlier in the show for my daily lineup league, uh, I went and, and picked up Brandon Nemo, put him in the starting lineup, uh, activated Michael Conforto. Um, I, you know, I just think going against Julio Tehran at SunTrust Park is a, is a good play. Uh, how does that go for DFS? Yeah, uh, Tehran's always had really wide platoon splits. He's been a guy that's really struggled against left-handed bats the last few years. Uh, since the start of 2017, he's allowed a 337 weighted on base average and a 203 ISO to left-handed bats, and he's walked about 13% of them. So just putting guys on base constantly, the lefties, the Mets have mostly left-handed bats in their offense. You mentioned Nemo and Conforto, Jay Bruce, as well as Drupal Cabrera. So this figures to be a tougher spot for Julio Tehran. Those guys are strong individual plays, and I think on this slate in particular, they'll go a little bit overlooked because there's so much, there's so many better offensive environments on the whole than Atlanta um, that I think the Mets will go a little bit overlooked. And the fact that both pens are just totally decimated from the doubleheader and then not getting long starts out of their starters last night. Um, it's an interesting sneaky night for both the Mets and the Braves offenses on the whole. All right. All right. Uh, good to know. And uh, as long as we're, you know, we're talking about some hitters, you mentioned saving up for the Rockies hitters. Uh, who's a particularly good bargain uh, that you anticipate in the lineup tonight against Derek Holland? Yeah, the, the, the Rockies, it'll be interesting to see what lineup they put out there. But Noel Cuevas hit second last time against a left-handed pitcher, and he's very, very affordable. 
Um, he's, you know, low 3000s on DraftKings. Anytime you can get a second place hitter in Coors Field for that kind of price tag with the platoon edge, you just jump at it. And yeah, there might be some pinch hit risk late in the game with all the lefties that the Rockies have. So you might not get the full, you know, four or five plate appearances, but he would be a really, really good value that stands out. And then some of the Angels hitters stand out as really good values as well to save some money. Zach Cozart at, you know, a middle infield position in second base. It's not particularly deep tonight. A leadoff hitter on the road. Got a decent chance at a five-plate appearance expectation, which is just such a huge advantage because every plate appearance in DFS is worth an an expectation of, like, one to two points. So anytime you can stack up an extra plate appearance on your opponents is is a big edge. And he's just right around 3,000. And then his teammate, Luis Valbuena, who homered twice last night, I figure will be popular coming off that great performance, but he's only 3,000. He's got that first base, third base eligibility uh, that helps a little bit because if you don't want to play him at third base because you want to play like Nolan Arenado, uh, you can slide him over to first base. All right, interesting. Um, by the way, I don't know if uh, the Braves lineup was out before, but just seeing it now, um, don't say anything too surprising there. Uh, well, let's uh, move on to uh, San Diego. Uh, Marlins and Padres, not you know, a couple of offensive juggernauts. But uh, yeah, I find the pitchers interesting, again, if it's a night where it pays to look for uh, bargain pitching. Clayton Richards has been really good this month. He's got a good matchup. He's at home. And then Jose Arrhenia still looking for his first win. Uh, he's not been bad, though. Uh, just, you know, I think a victim of, of poor run support. So any interest here, uh, you know, with a couple of pitchers, facing weak offenses. Yes, there is some interest here for that starting pitcher two spot on DraftKings. I think Urena is a little bit more interesting than Richard, even though Richard is the favorite. They're about a minus 130 favorite. He only has a 3.3 implied run total against. Richard is going to get there with ground balls, um, and he generally gets his strikeouts against left-handed bats, and the Marlins don't have a ton of those. Now, with JT Riddle back in the lineup now playing shortstop with, uh, with Prado's injury, um, there might be more opportunity for him to get like three lefties in there, which would be nice. His price tag's still a little high. I'd rather it be like low sevens or high sixes than high sevens. So Urena is the guy that I'm kind of interested in here. The Padres strike out a ton, uh, second most in Major League Baseball against right-handed pitching. They're not a particularly great offense. And Urena's got good stuff. He throws 94-95. He just has problems missing bats to lefties. Um, most of the uh, most of the normal regular lineup that the Padres run out there is a little bit more righty heavy. We'll see. Last night they went really lefty heavy against Dan Straley. If they do that again, it might be a tougher spot for Urena to get strikeouts. But he has legitimately good stuff. Both of those guys have the benefit of a favorable home plate umpire for pitchers in that game, and that's why one of the reasons why that total is so low in that game. So we do like them as potential sources of salary relief on the slate. All right, interesting. I think in the first reference to a home, a home plate umpire uh, in the, uh, what, four or five weeks we've been doing this segment, so that's pretty cool stuff. Uh, well, another uh, late West Coast game, Dodgers hosting the Phillies, Ross Stripling and Zach Eflin. Uh, both have been, uh, for the most part, surprisingly effective, uh, Stripling in particular. Uh, I'm just not sure that I, you know, that I'm ready to trust him uh, as good he's been the last couple of times out. So would you recommend him uh, tonight? Fortunately, the good thing for Stripling is the price hasn't really jumped up aggressively. Um, he's just 7,300 on DraftKings. He has the second lowest implied total against on this slate at 3.1 runs is the Philadelphia expectation tonight behind only James Paxton. So that's ahead of uh, Otani. That's ahead of Scherzer. Um, he's He's been pitching really well, as you mentioned. I'm hesitant to 
trust that he's an ace by any means, which is how he's pitched basically of late. Um, but he has, he has been historically very good against left-handed batters in part because he's got a really good curveball slider mix that he's been able to throw effectively. And I think he can neutralize a lineup from Philadelphia that is usually a little bit leans a little bit more on the left side um, of the equation and the pitching environment in, you know, LA uh, Dodger stadium in the summer compared to all the other parks around baseball. It just doesn't get as hot there um, at night, especially. So I think this is a good spot for Stripling, and I would say him and Jose Urena are probably the two cheaper end starting pitchers that we're most excited about tonight. Okay. Uh, well, you have not mentioned yet Fernando Romero. He's got the Royals. He's got Kauffman Stadium. I would think those things work in his favor. Uh, I think it's the starting debut for Brad Keller for the Royals. Uh, he's been really good in relief. Um, is there enough there to uh, elevate Romero, you know, to at least close to the level of an Arania or a Stripling? So he's a little bit behind for us, and I think he has all the things that you would normally look for in a starting pitcher. You mentioned, you know, the ballpark in Kansas City is usually favorable, except when it gets really hot in Kansas City, that, that those times it can kind of play um, aggressive. It is in the upper 80s tonight, and the wind is blowing out, so it's not the best park environment for him to pitch in. Uh, but the Royals' offense doesn't really pose much of a threat. The one thing that he has working against him pretty heavily is the fact that he has a really unfavorable umpire, uh, one of the more extreme unfavorable umpires for us, for starting pitchers. And for a guy that has shown spotty command uh, throughout his minor league career, but good stuff, it's just a little bit of a concern. And kind of that, along with a higher price tag than Irena and Stripling, pushes him behind those guys. But I think he has probably more upside than both of those guys because he could legitimately strike out eight or nine in a game and the Twins don't seem to manage his workloads really aggressively like the Dodgers do with Stripling. So from like a tournament perspective, I think Romero probably has more upside than Stripling or Urena. But if you were playing like cash games, 50-50s, head-to-head games, uh, we'd probably prefer to dip down a little bit further. Okay. Now, I, I feel like this is a, a bit of a deja vu, deja vu moment, and it might have been uh, with Mike on the show last week. But I remember talking about the Twins pitchers and, and how um, – I mean, pretty much all of them in the rotation are not really strike throwers. Uh, and so, you know, last night you saw Kyle Gibson take advantage of the Royals, who are one of the least selective teams in the majors. Uh, Gibson, one of the uh, pitchers with the least control in the majors. And yet, you know, he got, uh, I think, eight strikeouts and one walk. So is that that nature of the Royals lineup maybe something that could work in Romero's favor? It certainly could, and it ultimately will probably dictate how successful Romero is because with a, with a guy that doesn't command the zone great and an umpire that um, is timid at strike calling behind the plate, you would expect that he will need to rely on the Royals expanding the strike zone for him to effectively miss bats consistently in this matchup. So ultimately, I think how aggressive the Royals are out there tonight will probably dictate the success for Romero. Okay, well, it'll be interesting to watch, too, just for, for future reference. And I think we've just got about a minute left here, Drew. Uh, but I did want to talk about Rangers-Mariners tonight because we've talked about the Rockies uh, lineup, the Mets lineup. But uh, Mariners hit lefties really well. Matt Moore's going to pitch for the Rangers. Any uh, lefties in the uh, – I'm sorry, any righties in the Mariners lineup uh, that you like tonight? Absolutely. You always like Nelson Cruz against uh, left-handed pitching. He has such an established track record against lefties. Mitch Hanniger has also hit lefties really well. And I think the Mariners lineup is actually more dangerous against left-handed pitching now than they were before the injuries to Robinson Cano and 
uh, D. Gordon and the suspension with Cano, obviously, because it shifts a few more of those right-handed bats up in the lineup. So you get Ryan Healy, Mike Zunino in a little bit better lineup spots. A lot of power to attack Matt Moore, who's really struggled keeping the ball in the park. All right. Well, all sounds good to me. So, uh, well, Drew, thanks again for uh, taking the time and the great analysis. Thanks so much, Al. Take care. Yeah, you too, Drew. All right, folks, we'll uh, head into break. Don't go anywhere. We're going to be right back. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Welcome back. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm Al Melkier, your host. And uh, just again, want to thank Drew Dinkmeyer of DailyRoto.com for joining us for that last segment. Uh, do look for Drew on uh, Twitter, and he is at, uh, it's very easy to remember, at Drew Dinkmeyer, uh, D-I-N-K-M-E-Y-E-R. Uh, so great stuff from Drew. Always uh, love talking to him and Mike Leone from uh, Daily Roto. Uh, for their uh, DFS insight. Uh, now, if you play DFS and haven't tried playing mybookie.ag player props, then you're missing out. Their player props tool allows allows you to avoid sharks winning 90% of the money in DFS. Invest in the players that you want without the salary caps. Forget having to create multiple lineups. Ditch the hassle of dealing with late scratches. Go to mybookie.ag, open a new account, and enter the promo code FNTSY, and you'll receive a 50% deposit bonus. Now, often a player, say, uh, we're talking about Nelson Cruz on the last segment, uh, might be chalk in DFS and 80% owned in tournaments because everybody thinks that the play is obvious. Well, don't be a loser and eat DFS chalk. Be a winner and play the mybookie.ag player prop. Plus, you can access the one sport not yet touched by DFS, the Sport of Kings, horse racing. So it's simple. First, go to mybookie.ag and open an account. Second, enter the promo code FNTSY and receive your 50% deposit bonus. And third and finally, click the player props tool, choose your player prop, and collect your winnings. So that is mybookie.ag. And remember, enter the promo code FNTSY. Uh, so before I go back and take a look at some of the performances from Tuesday's games, uh, I want to check in again with something from today's games. Uh, Alex Reyes, again, if you missed it or you're just tuning in, uh, left after four innings, uh, did hold the Brewers scoreless, but saw a drop in velocity, uh, had to work out some jams. Still no update uh, in terms of whether there's a health issue there. I'm not sure if that's good or bad, um, but we'll just have to, uh, I suppose, wait on that. And meanwhile, uh, Brewers and Cardinals are uh, in the top of the seventh. That's a 1-1 game. Uh, might as well get you up to date on the other two games in progress. Uh, Red Sox now up 6-2 to two over Toronto. 
and Indians uh, taking it to the White Sox. They're up 9 nothing in the bottom of the seventh. So may not be uh, till after the game that we can get uh, a more detailed update on um, on Alex Reyes. Uh, that's going to be uh, a while because that game is still in the top of the seventh. Oh, and the Cardinals just went up 2-1. to one. Not exactly sure what happened there, but in any event, Cardinals up 2-1 on the Brewers in the top of the seventh inning. All right, well, let's uh, go a little further back to Tuesday's games. Like I said, uh, a lot of offense, a lot of, uh, as you would expect, good offensive performances. So I'm going to focus on those in this segment. I'm going to start, uh, as I typically do when they're when they've happened, start with the two homer performances. There were four of them. Uh, Brett Gardner with a huge game, uh, four hits including his third and fourth homers of the season against the Astros. He is blazing hot uh, over his last 15 games. He's 22 for 59. That's a 373 average. Uh, so if you got him benched, it's time to to change that. Um, and, you know, and Gardner's a tough one uh, because he, he seems very streaky, and some of the streakiness in the past has been related to health issues. I'm not exactly sure why he got off to a slow start this year, but uh, like I said, he's putting that that behind him pretty quickly now. Uh, as Dribble Cabrera, uh, he is, and we talked about him having a good matchup uh, tonight. Uh, not sure top what he did last night against the Braves at SunTrust Park, hitting his ninth and 10th home runs. And Luis Valbuena, he came up in the last segment as well. Uh, he had his two homers, uh, his fifth and sixth of the season. Uh, two of his three hits against the Tigers. And he has started four of the last six games. And I'm going to check in to see if we do have an Angels lineup yet. We do. Valbuena is in it. So let's now make that uh, five out of the last seven games that Valbuena has started. Uh, he's starting this one at uh, first base. As you could figure, it's a Shoei Otani night, so you got Pujols DHing. So Valbuena just uh, slides right in uh, at first base. Cozart leading off and getting the start third, but at least a couple of these starts that Valbuena's had recently uh, have been at third base. So it's conceivable that if he stays hot, that maybe he could pick up more time over at third base. Um, so something to watch there for Luis Valbuena, who's shown power before. Uh, not necessarily somebody you want to rely on for batting average because long before it was fashionable to hit a whole bunch of fly balls and, and pull them, uh, that that was uh, Valbuena's M.O., really going back to his days with the Cubs. Uh, and finally, the uh, fourth uh, two-homer performance mentioned here, Evan Longoria, homers number 9 and 10, and yes, at Coors Field, but he's actually got really good road numbers overall this year. Seven of those 10 home runs have come on the road. So Lagoria is hitting for legitimately more power this year, in spite of the fact that his numbers are certainly getting weighed down by having to play home games at AT&T Park. So he's somebody that I've kind of just gotten used to overlooking, but is certainly worth streaming for the road trips, and especially when there's good venues. and They don't have to be Coors Field level venues either. I think even in the neutral parks, uh, Longoria's hitting with uh, enough exit velocity that um, you know he's he's trustworthy uh, at this point. Maybe more than he's been in, in a few years. Cesar Hernandez did not have a two-homer game, but he had a really big game nonetheless. He reached um, 
five times, two for two with three walks. Uh, one of those two hits was his ninth double of the season. Also uh, filling up the box score by getting his 10th stolen base of the season uh, all against the Dodgers uh, on Tuesday night. So big game for Hernandez, who's really, really coming to his own this year uh, with the, a bit more power and the stolen bases uh, continuing to come uh, for Hernandez um, really for about the, the third year now um, being pretty useful in uh, in points leagues and uh, OBP leagues. As of right now, he's got a uh, 380 OBP, which is right in line with what he's done uh, each of the last couple of seasons, even though the batting average is Lingering down to 269, uh, we could probably expect a little bit better from Hernandez going forward. But you know, on pace for for a, a 2020 season, maybe a 2030 season. Um, so he's really slowly, steadily emerged as a as a fantasy stalwart. And Michael Brantley, man, anybody who drafted him has done really well. Three hit game on Tuesday at uh, Guaranteed Rate Field, hit his ninth home run of the year. Batting average now up to 343. So. Uh, I don't think there's any secret there now with Michael Brantley of the kind of year he's having. Um, now, on the other hand, Greg Allen, he's kind of slowly uh, bringing himself into our, our fantasy consciousness. He had a uh, two for four game in that same contest against the White Sox. Hit his uh, just the second double of the year. Um, so the overall stats are not overwhelming. I mean, he had a dramatic walk off Homer uh, a few days ago, but he's uh, batting 254 with a stolen base, but I'm a little surprised. He just got the one stolen base. Cause you know, in the minors, he's had no problem stealing bases. And so I'm not exactly sure uh, what, what goes with, or what gives with that. But uh, you know, we, we've seen a lot of players that stolen bases could be sort of lumpy and he's, I think kind of a good deep, deep league speculation target uh, for that stolen base potential. And, you know, while he, he does strike out quite a bit, and that's going to limit his batting average upside, that um, that he could use that speed to probably, it, it, I would think at worst, keep his batting average where it is in the 250s and, and maybe uh, even improve a bit there. So Greg Allen, somebody to, uh, to maybe take a flyer on in some deeper leagues. Now, uh, in the other lineup in that game, Daniel Palka, he hit another home run. He's up to five now. Also, his fifth double uh, in that game against the Indians. His batting average now up to 289, and his ISO up to 268. And I've passed on Palka in uh, some of my deeper leagues when he was available, and that's not really the case anymore. Um, and I, he must be really uh, hit with a lot of power lately because I remember look at the numbers thinking, okay, looks like there's some power there, but the exit velocity wasn't that high. Well, as of now, his exit velocity on fly balls and line drives is 98.1 miles an hour. So that's, that's really good. He's backing it up. He's backing up the stats. So uh, I don't think there's, if, if you're lucky enough to have Polka available in one of your deeper leagues, I think you need to go get him. Uh, Kyle Schwarber, he had a two for five game with a homer and a double, just like Polka. He's got 10 homers now and seven doubles. This against the Pirates. His ISO against righties is now up to 303. So, you know, Schwarber's somebody that, uh, you know, every week you got to look and see what the upcoming projected matchups are because 
If there's more than a couple lefties, there's not too much point in starting Schwarber, except in really deep leagues, maybe NL only. Uh, but he could do enough damage in like five games against righties to certainly make it worth your while. And he's striking out less too. 24% K rate against righties so far this year. So um, again, probably not any kind of secret to anybody to start with Kyle Schwarber against righties. Um, but there's your public service announcement nonetheless. Uh, now, Ben Zobrist doing well. Um, he had a homer and a double. That seems to be the, the thing yesterday, to get a homer and a double if you didn't get two homers uh, against the Pirates. His third home run, his sixth double. He is now batting 281 with a 374 on-base percentage. Zobrist has started eight of the last 10 games for the Cubs, and I'm going to check and see if their lineup is out, and it is. And it appears he is not in it. All right, so we will update that. Now Zobrist has started in eight out of the last 11 games for the Cubs. But all of those eight games, each of those eight games that Zobrist has started, he's been the leadoff hitter for the Cubs. So, you know, he's getting on base, uh, hitting the leadoff spot pretty frequently. So uh, maybe time to consider a pickup there. And Austin Meadows in that same game, he stayed hot. Uh, he went three for five, hit his fourth homer and third double of the season. He's not been up very long, so that's very impressive. And he's batting 439, which is just incredible. And he is, and I mentioned this earlier, he is in the Pirates lineup tonight against Kyle Hendricks. Uh, so you got Gregory Polanco and Corey Dickerson back in there, and it's Starling Marte who takes a seat against Kyle Hendricks. So it looks like uh, where Cincinnati's ending their uh, outfield rotation, the Pirates seem to be starting one up. Uh, so that's a pretty interesting development there for, for Austin Meadows. Uh, now, I heard the uh, fancy BFFs in the last hour talking about Bryce Harper. Kind of stole my thunder. But in case you didn't, uh, weren't listening to the show, I'm going to just reiterate uh, some of the points that they made uh, that, yeah, Harper's batting 239. Uh, but he did go three for five against the Orioles last night, hit his 17th home run. The power is obviously there. Uh, but don't worry about that batting average. It's not clear why he's hitting 213 on balls in play. There's nothing in his profile other than a bit of a high pull rate for Harper. But he hits with so much thump that I, you know, I would just think that would sort of neutralize the impact of the pull rate. And his expected BABIP on, on X-Stats is 289. That even strikes me as low. And, I mean, not for me to question, you know, X-Stats. I mean, they've got a, a very good uh, uh, system there. But um, I'm just, I'm, all I'm just saying is I, 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 don't, I don't really understand why he's not even hitting better uh, or why he wouldn't hit uh, even better than 289 on balls in play up to this point. So, in any event, uh, I doubt very many owners are panicking about Bryce Harper, but if there's a Bryce Harper owner in your league who uh, tends to maybe be a little bit of the uh, panicking, maybe overreacting type, might be time to send a little email or instant message or something. All right. Uh, and also Juan Soto, uh, sticking with that Nationals-Orioles game in Baltimore last night. He went three for three. He is now hitting 393, and he and Austin Meadows are just showing us that uh, – Hitting major league pitching is really, really easy to do. And uh, also, uh, Sandy Leone. Uh, remember 
two seasons ago, particularly the second half of the season, how uh, he kind of came out of nowhere. Well, maybe he's doing it again. He went uh, three for four with a couple of doubles and a home run against the Blue Jays in last night's game. Um, so, again, that's going back to last night. That's not from uh, the, the game that is uh, still in progress. Uh, but uh, Leon uh, really coming around. Last 10 games, he has 13 for 31. That's a 419 uh, batting average. And um, he has not appeared in this game. You know, obviously, day after a night game, not very likely. But just to give you the contrast, in today's game, Christian Vasquez is over four with a couple of strikeouts, and his batting average is down to 188. So even with Leon going well, uh, it's still uh, Vasquez who's been getting maybe a little bit more of the playing time. And I would not be surprised to see that change soon. And one last hitter performance to get to Johan Camargo. Uh, I said a little bit earlier in the season, I thought he could be this season's uh, Marwin Gonzalez breakout super utility guy. Of course, he's just playing pretty steadily at third, but you know can certainly uh, play around uh, the infield. He went two for five yesterday uh, with his third home run of the season. And after just an ice cold stretch over his last 11 games, he's heated up nine for 30 with nine walks. And he now has a 19.1% walk rate as compared to 4.7% last year. So out of nowhere, Camargo, who has a little bit of power uh, and should be able to hit for, for better average, uh, out of nowhere, just huge improvement in the plate discipline. So uh, with uh, the very little bit of time that we've got remaining here, uh, I think probably about one minute left, actually. Like I said, this is going to be a hitter-heavy show. Haven't talked about a single pitcher yet in this segment. Uh, I did want to touch back on that Kyle Gibson start that I referenced in the previous segment. Uh, he did go seven innings against the Royals with eight strikeouts and just one walk. Did not allow a run. Uh, so just a great matchup for Gibson, and I think just reinforces that you got to watch matchups with him. And maybe the same deal with uh, Zach Godley, who I'd pretty much given up on, uh, but had a very nice start uh, against the Reds, but at Chase Field, where his numbers are predictably much better. Seven strikeouts, two walks, two runs, and six innings uh, for Zach Godley. So, anyhow, on that note, thank you so much for tuning in. Thanks again to Drew Dinkmeyer for joining me. And uh, come back tomorrow, Fernando Thursday. I'll be here. Hope to see you too. Have a great one, everybody. See you tomorrow.